Act One of Adrienne Le Couvreur by Gabriel Le Gouvet and Eugène Scribe, translated by H. Herman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters Maurice de Saxe. Read by Andrew Latheron. Prince de Bouillon. Read by Jake Melitia. Abbe de Chazoy. Read by Alan Mapstone. Michonnet, prompter. Read by Adrian Stevens. Poisson, sociétaire. Read by Greg Giordano. Quinault, sociétaire. Read by Jim Hedrick. Of the Comédie Française. Servant. Read by David Purdy. Callboy. Read by Jim Locke. Princesse de Bouillon. Read by Wendy Katzhiller. Duchesse d'Aumont. Read by Matea Bracic. Marquise de Sancerre. Read by Michelle Eaton. Countess de Beauvau. Read by Lynette Calkins. Adrienne Le Couvreur. Read by Kelly Taylor. Mademoiselle Jouvenot. Read by Joanna Michael Hoyt. Mademoiselle d'Angeville. Read by Rebecca Brown. Maid. Read by Jen Broda. Stage directions. Read by Tchaikovsky. Scenes. Act One. The Princess's Boudoir. Act Two. Green Room of the Comédie Française. Act Three. The Villa at La Grange Batalière. Act Four. The Princess's Salon. Act Five. Adrienne's Home. Time. 1730. Adrienne Le Couvreur, Act One. Scene. An elegantly furnished boudoir. Doors center and right. Three right. Princess and Abbe discovered. Princess seated before glass, right. An Abbe behind her chair, attending. What, Abbe? No news whatever? Not a little wee bit of scandal? Alas, no. Your occupation's gone. It is your profession to know all the news. Give me that box. Come, try. I see by the air of mystery you assume that you know more than you pretend. Trifles, certainly. Will it be worth your while to know that Mademoiselle Le Couvre and Mademoiselle Duclos will play in the same piece tonight in Bachezeth? the house will be crowded stop one moment abbe would you place this spot on the cheek or at the corner of the left eye abbe at back of chair if i were sure princess that you would pardon the liberty i might find courage to tell you that i am openly erratically opposed to the system of spots why it is a revolution you would attempt you with your soft and timid air i should never have thought you so courageous a priest timid i am timid in your presence only nonsense well you were saying just now go on that the performance this evening will be all the more interesting as mademoiselle le couvre and duclos are rivals adrien has the entire public on her side 
whilst mademoiselle duclos is openly protected by certain great noblemen and even by certain noble ladies among them by by her highness the princesse de boulogne by me yes and everybody is astonished at it and they commence in our world even to smile and why pray for reasons which i neither can nor dare mention because my delicacy and my scruples scruples you abbe and you were saying just now there was nothing you finish go on well madame princess since you insist that i should tell you you the granddaughter of sobieski the cousin of our queen you have for rival mademoiselle duclos of the comedie francaise <gasps> you don't mean to say so it's the news of the day all our world knows it excepting you and as you might appear ridiculous in our world were you to remain ignorant of it i found the courage to inform you that the prince has given her a carriage and diamonds quite true and a villa true again just beyond the boulevards at la grange batelière what princess you knew it then long before you rises long before your world listen to me my pretty abbe this for your instruction monsieur de bouillon my husband although a great nobleman is a learned man he adores the arts and he revels in the sciences he acquired this practice under the last regime from inclination no to pay his court to the regent whose exact counterpart he strove to become and in his efforts to imitate as faithfully as possible he took care not to forget the gallantry of his hero i was not excessively displeased at this a lady can always call her time much more her own when her husband is occupied and so that mine though faithless should still remain dependent upon me i forgave mademoiselle duclos who did nothing without my orders and kept me informed of everything these were the terms on which she enjoyed my protection you see that i kept my word excellent admirable but princess what do you gain by it what do i gain by it my husband fearing discovery trembles before the granddaughter of sobieski in case she might suspect and i do suspect when i want to what do i gain by it formerly he was very niggardly now he refuses me nothing sits on couch does a light dawn upon you oh yes yes i see your world then may pity me and sigh about my position and now my dear abbe if you have nothing else to tell me oh yes madame something else something else something that concerns me personally at this time i am quite sure that you have not the slightest idea of it it is 
That you love me. You knew that too? Is it possible? And you didn't tell me a word about it. Surely I wasn't obliged to herald it. Ah, yes, certainly. About to kneel, she stops him. It was for you that I became the intimate friend of your husband, and for you I listened to his chemical discussions, although I always fall asleep in doing so. Oh, poor Abbe. Ah, oh, those are the happiest moments of my life. I then hear him no more, and I dream of you. Surely you will confess that such devotion merits some reward? Oh, yes. I have been told that success has often crowned less deserving efforts. But at the risk of appearing ungrateful, even to such unselfish merit, I cannot listen to you now. Crosses to right. Prince, outside. My dear Duchess, you are quite right. Duchess laughs outside. Silence. Somebody comes. It is my husband and the Duchess d'Aumont. By the by, did you not try your fortune there also? Alas, yes. But I have been forestalled. That was unlucky. Aside. The poor Abbe is always too late. Enter Prince and Duchess. The Princess meets the Duchess, and they shake hands. What good fairy brings you so early? The Duchess comes to ask you to render her a service. One pleasure the more. And where did you meet my husband, whom I have not seen since the day before yesterday? At my uncle's house, the Cardinal. Yes, the great Prime Minister is, like myself, a member of the Academy of Sciences. Therefore I dedicated to him my new treatise on chemistry, the book which astonished Monsieur de Voltaire himself. Never before, said he to me, has such a work been written. These are his own words, and I believe every syllable of them. So do I. But the Cardinal Prime Minister... I am coming to it. Enter a servant, bringing a small casket. Place that casket there. Servant places casket on table and exits. The Cardinal, who knows my talents, both as a statesman and a savant, has confided to me a commission as honourable as it is terrible. And what may that be, pray? The analysis, both from a judicial and scientific point of view, of the substance contained in that casket, a mysterious powder of deadly properties, which has been found in the house of a lady of high birth, accused of attempted murder. Princess, stepping forward. How interesting. Advances. Do let us see it. Advances. Be careful, ladies. They retire. If I am told truly, one grain of this powder, thrown into a pair of gloves, or sprinkled over a flower, is sufficient to produce at first a vague stupor, then strong aberration on the cerebrum, and finally a delirium which ends in death. Places casket on small table at back. All this, however, will be scientifically demonstrated, for I will analyse this powder, make my experiments, and after that my report. Very well. But all this scientific analysis does not explain to me your absence yesterday. Prince, aside to Abbe. Now I'm in for it. Jealousy. Abbe, aside. Yes, the storm has been brewing. Prince, aside. You will see how I will weather it. Aloud to Princess. You ask, madam, what I did yesterday. I was preparing a surprise for you. 
hands her a jewel case. What is this? Prince, aside to Abbe. You see? What superb diamonds! Prince, to Abbe. And as to the analysis of this diabolical powder, this is my argument, Abbe. Speaks in dumb show, Abbe, aside. Another lecture on chemistry. Princess, to Duchess. Do look at this bracelet, my dear. Is it not in exquisite taste? And so artistically mounted. It is splendid. Come, Abbe. Come and admire. I admire? I am listening here. Yes, I am explaining, but he does not seem to understand. I must demonstrate it to him. Steps to table. No, no, thank you quite unnecessary i prefer the argument to the demonstration now whilst these gentlemen continue their scientific discussion pray tell me what is the service you require from me i must confess to you princess that there is one person whose genius i admire above all others who might rave about mademoiselle adrienne lecouvreur well is it true that she will give a private recitation here to-morrow the prince told me so just now prince going to ladies we have invited her yes that is true although i do not share your enthusiasm my dear duchess and much prefer mademoiselle duclos but mademoiselle lecouvreur seems to be the idol of the moment and her recitations the events of the day she is the fashion yes that word explains all and since madame de noailles whom i cannot bear made sure of securing her for her reception to-morrow i invited her a week ago and here is her answer a letter from her ah do let me look at her writing you were right duchess this is adoration i never miss one of her performances but i have never seen her in private they say she dresses most becomingly and that her manners are so refined so distinguished the prince de bourbon said of her the other day that she looked like a queen amidst comedians a compliment which she answered by a turn of phrase which was impolite if to the point i alluded to it in my invitation hear her reply reading if i had the imprudence to say before monsieur d'argental that we princesses of the stage had the advantage over those of the court in playing only at night whilst they acted all day he was very wrong in repeating this to you and i still more so for having said it even in jest you proved this to me madame by the kindness and frankness of your letter it contains evidence of such dignity charm and princely grace that i have placed it on my writing-table to be able to compare the genuine with the imitation i had promised myself not to recite in society again as i am far from strong and afraid of the increased fatigue but how could a poor girl like myself refuse when you asked you might have thought me proud if i am madame it is only of the honour of being your very humble and obedient servant adrienne duchess taking letter in excellent taste none of us i think could write a letter better may i keep it i wonder no more that poor little d'argental 
the son, I mean, is in love with her. He has quite lost his head about her. It's in the family. The father, whom you know, with his old-fashioned wig and his coat of a century ago, went to Adrienne to ask her to restore the peace of mind of his son, and there left his own. How lovely! And the story about the bishop? There is a story about a bishop? Yes. The bishop met a charming young lady at the bedside of a sick woman he was visiting, and, having offered her his arm to see her to the door, found it was raining in torrents. He therefore insisted on her getting into the episcopal carriage, and drove through Paris with, whom do you think, with Adrien Le Couvre. With Mademoiselle Le Couvreur? Hence the rumour that he was going to elope with her. The holy man was furious and threatened to excommunicate her at the first opportunity. She had, therefore, better not die at present. I hope she does not want to just yet. And so I invite myself tomorrow night... Rises. ...to see her, to hear her. Do come. And we will worship Mademoiselle Le Couvreur for your sake. Adieu, dear princess. Gets to door, followed by others, then stops and retraces her steps. By the by, do you know the latest news? Ah, no. The abbe is my only purveyor of news, and he never knows anything. That young stranger in the French service who last winter turned the heads of all the ladies, the young son of the King of Poland and the Countess Königsmark. The Count de Saxe. He has returned to Paris. Excuse me, it is only a rumour, but I do not think it true. It is a fact. I know it from my cousin Belisle, who was with him throughout the Courland campaign. You know we were very anxious about him, even frightened. That is to say, the Duke, my husband, was. And I a little. But he has been in Paris since this morning. I have seen him, and he told me that his young general had returned with him. It would seem, therefore, that the general desires to conceal his return. Oh, very lightly, on account of his debts. He has so many. To my knowledge, he owes 60,000 livres to a Swede, the Count Karlkrutz, who was going to have him arrested last year, but did not, because where there is nothing to take... Even the king cannot collect his dues. The abbe does not like Maurice de Saxe, and bears him a grudge, because last year the general interrupted him in his march of conquest. You are wrong, Duchesse. It is only that I cannot understand what the ladies can see in him to rave about. Unless it be that he has the honour of being a son of the King of Poland. Well, that is certainly an introduction to success. To which he owes a great deal. No, no. He owes everything to his courage, to his daring. At thirteen he fought at Malplaquet under the Prince Eugène. At fourteen under Peter the Great at Stralsund. Floristan told me all that. At fourteen? And this is not all. 
During this last marvellous campaign, when he had been proclaimed Duke of Courland, the daughter of the Empress, the heiress of the Tsars, conceived a strong attachment for him, which one day might have seated him on the throne of Russia. And doubtless, dazzled by so brilliant a conquest, the Count did all he could. Not at all. Florestan has told me that he did absolutely nothing to gain her favour. On the contrary, he frankly avowed to the Muscovite princess that he had left his heart in Paris. Is this really so? You see then that even abbés are not always to be believed. Goodbye, princess. Enter servant. The Count Maurice de Saxe. Exit servant. It seems that I am not to leave this house today. Enter Maurice. Duke de Courland, welcome. Welcome, conqueror. Future emperor, welcome. Oh, yes, ladies. A duke without a duke, a general without an army, an emperor without subjects. That is my position. But the estates of Courland have elected you their master. Certainly. Nominated by the Diet, proclaimed by the people. I have my patent of sovereignty in my pocket, but Russia forbade me to accept it, and threatened me with cannon, and my father, the King of Poland, who wants to live in peace with his neighbours, ordered me to refuse it. And what did you do? I answered the Empress by calling the nobility of Courland to arms, and I wrote to my father saying that before being elected sovereign, I was an officer in the service of the King of France, and that not having been taught in the army of His Most Christian Majesty how to retreat, I would go ahead. Wonderful! And there was no reply to that argument. Of course not. And therefore, without further ado, my father put me under the ban of the Empire. The Empress placed a price upon my head, and her general, Prince Menzikov, entered Mittau without a declaration of war, to take me by surprise in my palace. He had eighteen hundred Russians, I not a soldier. Well, you had to surrender. <laughs> not in the least. You defended yourself against such odds. Yes, like Charles the Twelfth at Bender. Seeing my palace surrounded by torches and men-at-arms, I exclaimed, You want to play with powder and fire? Very well, you shall have them. I called together the French gentlemen who had accompanied me. Besides them, I had people in my household, my secretary, my cook, six ostlers, and a young market woman who happened to be there. Women again! You have a way of your own in war. Which would suit you exactly, my dear Abbe. We were sixty in all. Thirty to one against you. That was nothing. We soon reduced the difference. I barricaded the doors with furniture. At the windows I placed my people with their muskets, and the young woman with several buckets of boiling water. So you had enlisted her too? Of course. At so short a distance every shot of my men told, and soon disabled a hundred and twenty of the enemy. They therefore decided to storm the palace. That was just what I wanted. Under the right pavilion, the only part where assault was possible, I had myself placed two barrels of gunpowder, and at the moment when three hundred Cossacks had penetrated into the palace and were shouting hurrahs of victory, I blew them and half the palace into the air together. And you? I stood in the midst of the ruins and called the citizens of Mitau to arms. The bells commenced to toll all round, and the Russians retired in confusion. Oh, had I been able to pursue them, if I had two French regiments, one only, but that is just what I have come here to obtain. And this is the object of your journey to Paris? Yes, madam. I want the Cardinal de Fleury to give me a few squadrons of hussars, and by Arminius, my patron saint, 
I hope next year, ladies, to be able to entertain you royally in the palace of the Dukes of Courland. In the meantime, I hope you will sometimes accept the hospitality of this house. We receive tomorrow night. Will you come? To Maurice. You shall escort me. I shall be proud to have the victor of Mittau for my cavalier. Besides that, there is royal pleasure in store for you. Your society, Duchess? You will hear Mademoiselle Le Couvreur. Do you know her, Count? Yes, slightly. Admirable. Clock strikes two. Oh, two o'clock. And my husband is waiting for me to go to Versailles. Since when? Since twelve. Not a bit too long. Are you coming with us, Abbey? We can offer you a seat. Oh, no, he stays with me. I have to read him half of the last volume of my treatise. Abbey, aside to Princess. Do you hear? Impossible to put it off. The printer is waiting. The Abbe must come with me to my study. Exeunt, Abbe, and Prince. Adieu, gentlemen. To Princess. Poor Abbe. Adieu till tomorrow. Exit, Duchess, followed up by Princess, who returns to Maurice. At last. For two months you have not written a line. I had to learn from the Duchess d'Aumont that you had returned, and I had almost given up the hope of seeing you. You are the first person I have called upon, Princess. I arrived only last night. You have been nowhere but here? I have been only to the war office, where the Cardinal Secretary of State did not receive me too well, and gave me but little hope. Others have made amends for him, then. What do you mean? Princess, who from the beginning has kept her eyes fixed on the flowers in his buttonhole. Did the Cardinal Secretary of State give you these roses? <laughs> I had forgotten. You notice everything. Who gave you these flowers? Who? A flower girl, a pretty one, too. I met her at the gate, and she pleaded so earnestly... That you bought them for me. Yes, princess. A charming attention. I accept with pleasure. Aside. It is too bad of him. Aloud. Although you do not deserve it, let us think of your interests first of all. You say that the cardinal did not receive you too well, that he gave you but little encouragement. Very little. We will change that. You shall have your two regiments. If that were true... I will go to Versailles, and so that you may be kept informed of my progress... I shall come here. No, not here. There are too many inquisitive eyes in this house, not to speak of my husband. No, the prince has bought for Duclos a charming villa near the Grange Batelier, only a few paces from the walls. It is at my disposal, and there only will I see you. In the house that belongs to... To my husband. What could be more natural? His house is mine. Truly, Princess, only you could invent such a combination. Yes, it is rather clever. The appointments will be made by Mademoiselle Duclos. She will write to you, not I. But do you not fear? Nothing. Duclos is devoted to me. I understand, but as to myself... Aside... How can I accept it when I love another? No, better to tell her the truth. Aloud. I really do not know, Princess, how to thank you for your generosity. Another time. Someone is coming. Who can it be? Turning impatiently. Oh, it is that horrid Abbe. Go now. Gives him her hand to kiss. Maurice, aside. Another time. Aloud. Adieu till then. Exit, Princess, with flowers. A flower girl who ties her bouquets with cord of silk and gold. How uneasy, how cool he seemed, like a man who has ceased to love. 
that passion which they spoke of just now, which made him refuse the daughter of the Tsar, suppose it were not for me, but for another. A rival, a favored rival. But I must not lose my temper. I must not compromise myself. But I must know it. I will know it. Enter Abbe with smelling salts bottle. Abbe inhaling. Sixty pages of chemistry. It's more than I can endure. I resign. Looking towards Princess. Especially as there is not the slightest hope of indemnity. What makes you think so, Abbe? What do you mean? Here, a lady friend of mine. An intimate friend. The Duchesse d'Aumont? Perhaps. I mention no names. Wishes passionately, as only a woman can desire, to discover a secret which is very closely kept. And that is? Who is the mysterious unknown beauty whom the Count de Saxe loves at present? For there is one. You, Abbe, who know everything who profess to know everything. Certainly. I thought you might perhaps unveil the mystery for her. It will be very difficult. I do not admit of such a word. But it will be difficult especially for me, whom Dame Fortune seems to have quite deserted. Luck mostly follows skill. The cleverest are generally the most fortunate. And suppose I were clever enough to unravel this secret? Then perhaps I might disclose to you another which... Is it possible? You see, you were wrong to complain. Help yourself, and heaven will help you. Everything now depends on yourself. Goodbye. Exit, Princess. Am I dreaming? But how to do it the count de saxe is discreet i shall learn nothing from him to whom then shall i apply enter prince during above speech wonders will never cease the abbe is really thinking yes i am i am thinking over a problem that is not easy to solve a problem that's my business oh why not certainly it is your business in one sense well abbe what puzzles you i was just thinking that the count de saxe about whom the women are raving must have a preference for some lady prince laughing <laughs> well abbe and how does that concern you but it does concern me for reasons important reasons personal reasons i cannot explain them to you just now but i must discover who is the reigning beauty prince good-naturedly i will find it out for you you i yes at once this evening come now that would be peculiar will you bet two hundred louis about it abbe aside it's a lot of money but it's worth it what do you intend to do prince calling to servant at door my carriage to abbe will you come to the comedie francaise with me duclos and le couvreur both play in bajazet to-night with pleasure 
but what has that to do with what i want to learn mademoiselle duclos can tell you what you are so anxious to know the other night as i was entering her room they were speaking about de Sachs, and she said laughingly i know a great lady whom he adores she stopped when she saw me but you can understand when i ask her and you know she refuses me nothing she will tell me the name of the lady and then you shall know it too then you will tell it to me this will be worth more money than i can pay no it will be worth just two hundred louis now to the comedy francais act drop end of act one Act Two of Adrien Le Couvreur by Gabriel Le Gouvet and Eugène Scribe, translated by H. Herman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene: The Green Room of the Comédie Française, paneled oak, Louis Fourteenth. Scene: Two doors, right one door leading to auditorium door left to the stage showing portion of the wings centre back occupied by a large chimney-piece surmounted by bust of moliere portraits and busts of other comedians all about the room large looking-glass right mademoiselle juvenot in turkish costume arranging her dress before glass right mademoiselle d'angeville in fancy dress costume other actors and actresses in turkish and fancy costumes at a table right quinault in the costume of acuma and poisson in the costume of crispin in bajazet playing chess other actors and actresses studying their parts and walking about michonnet playing call for rehearsal on call board michonnet can you tell me where i can find some rouge yes mademoiselle in satron michonnet Yes, Monsieur Poisson. Good house tonight. I should think so. Atrian and Duclos play for the first time together in Bayazet. There will be over five thousand livres. The deuce there will. Michonnet, when are you going to commence the second piece? At eight o'clock, Mademoiselle. Michonnet. Yes, Monsieur Canot. You won't forget my dagger, will you? It is all right. There it is, Monsieur. Michonnet places it on table, aside. When will it end? Michonnet here, Michonnet there, Michonnet everywhere. They won't give me a moment of peace. And whose fault is it? Why, mine. What a fool I must have been to undertake to see everything right, even the hand properties. But, after all, I should not sleep well if anybody but I were to give Hippolyte his sword or Cleopatra her asp. To think of the wealth I distribute every night in rubies and diamonds and purses of gold. And my salary is fifteen hundred livres a year. What irony of fate. I wouldn't mind if I were only a sociétaire. Not that it pays over well, but then one belongs to the Comédie Française. How well would it look on paper, missionary, sociétaire of the Comédie Française? Instead of that, I am a paid servant, first utility, and principal prompter. That is to say, obliged to do as they all bid me, and to swallow their insults. Is Adrienne going to wear her diamonds this evening? 
Enter other actors and actresses, ready to go on stage. They move about. Those that the queen gave her? Goes up, crosses to chess table. If what she says is true. Ah, those diamonds. They have made her many enemies. Hardly worthwhile, I should fancy. No great difficulty in getting diamonds. No, not to you, ladies. What do you mean? Oh, nothing, mademoiselle. Nothing. Aside. Ah, if you didn't belong to the Comédie Française, if it were not convenient for me to make use of you to become a Cicciatère myself one of these days, wouldn't I give you your answer, epigrammatically, sweetly, and well-peppered? Check, sir. Mate, sir. You do not play well tonight, sir. Just listen to this. He is sirring me. Mademoiselle d'Angeville at chess table. That is certainly very disrespectful. Oh, I remember. Since Mademoiselle Carnot, his sister, who played chambermaids with us, was married to the Duc de Nevers, he thinks himself a marquis at last. Come, say, perhaps you would like me to call you my lord. You've only got to say so, you know. Enough, sir. To Michonet. When are you going to begin? Don't fear. I will let you know in good time. I'm the green room clock. And a clock that's never late. Up right center. True. The slightest break in the performance makes me uncomfortable. And when the house is shut for a day, I feel that I have lost twenty-four hours of my existence. Enter Prince and Abbe by door left. Coming from the house, Mademoiselle d'Angeville, Mademoiselle Juvenot, and other ladies at back, Michonet in front. It is tiresome, more strangers to fill up the green room and block up the wings. Prince and Abbe have gone centre to the ladies, and are speaking to them. Michonet recognises them and salutes. Ah, his reverence, the Abbe de Chaussery, and his highness of Bouillon. When I think that that man could, by a single word, procure my nomination, I can't help looking upon him with respect. Michonet, Michonet, you are a ruffian. You who were, just now, speaking so bitterly of those ladies and their diamonds. Would you sell your self-respect for a title? Ah, but then it is the Comédie Française. Abbé to Quino. Ah, good evening, Bizier. They tell me that you will play admirably in Badger's air. And so will Mademoiselle Duclos. And Adrienne, she will be sublime. Yes, she has got on the right way at last, and it was not easy. I am not addicted to boasting, but there is not an emphasis or accentuation in her part that I have not taught her. Well, I never. What was that? Oh, nothing, nothing. Aside. That's another who has a vote. Or else wouldn't I? Ah, there is Adrienne coming from her dressing room. Here she is. Yes, she is studying her part. Quite alone. Looking at Kino. Without Monsieur Cano. It is strange. Enter Adrienne, left to right, studying. Adrienne, reading her part. I recognize the reign of Sultan Amarat. Now leave me. Let the palace gates be closed at once. No, that isn't right. Now leave me. Let the palace gates be closed at once. In their accustomed order, let all men return. Abbe, left, center. Magnificent. Adrienne, right, center. Ah, 
L'Abbé de Chazoul. Superb. Are you speaking of the diamonds? You mean those that belong to the Queen? Yes, they are very handsome, and I shall be happy to give Mademoiselle Le Couvreur sixty thousand livres for them, should she care to sell them. And so you are still studying. What are you trying to learn? Truth. Abbé, looking at Kino. But you have had lessons from a great master. Kino rises, about to go. Michonnet to Kino, who is trying to leave. There is no hurry, Monsieur Colonel. Do stay. You are not wanted for a long while yet on the stage. Abbé to Adrienne. The part of Roxana, for instance. Unfortunately, I had none. Seeing Michonnet. But I am wrong in saying that I had had no teacher. I was about to be ungrateful to him, a man of true heart, a sincere and disinterested friend, whose counsel has ever guided me, whose encouragement has never failed me. Here he is, and I am never sure of success until I have heard his kind, honest voice say, Yes, that's it. That's right. Oh, Adrienne, this is too much. I am choking. Abbe, right center. How is it, Monsieur Michonnet, that you, who give such good advice, are yourself... Such a bird actor? That's what you mean, sir, is it not? Well, I have often asked myself that question... I really think it must be because I'm not a sociétaire of the Comédie Française. Enter Callboy, right downstage. Beginners, please, ladies and gentlemen. Exit right downstage. The ladies are not ready yet, of course. I am. I also, although I only play in the second piece. Sits up, left, center. But, Mademoiselle Duclos? She was dressed a quarter of an hour ago. She was writing in her dressing room. Prince, right center. She was writing then. Michonnet, center. Yes, and she seemed to be in a great hurry. I wonder to whom. Mademoiselle Juvenot, aside to Prince. I'll tell you, her maid. Penelope. Yes, Penelope. She shewed me a letter just now saying, here is a scrap of paper to read which the Prince would give a good deal. I? That made me think it could not be for you, but it's only a supposition. I wonder whom that letter could have been written to. I will soon find out. I will ask Penelope. Aside to Abbe. I'm going to attend to your business now. How kind of you. Where shall I meet you? Here, after the third act. Agreed. Mademoiselle Chauvenot, Monsieur Cano, you are wanted. Exit Kino and ladies. Kino is being hurried by Michonnet. Kino to Abbe. After you, sir. After your Turkish Excellency. Exent, Abbe and Kino. Prince, aside. I always mistrusted that little Penelope. It is an unlucky name, especially in a theatre. Exit, downstage, right. Michonnet crosses behind table to left, centre. To think that she is so good to me, and that for five years I have never found courage to avow what I feel for her. It's quite natural, though she is a societaire, and I am not. She is young, and I am not. And then today always seems to me to be an unlucky day, and I wait until tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. Oh, but then her heart is free. She loves only her profession. To Adrienne. Still studying your part? Yes, Michonnet. Well, 
if I don't disturb you. I've been wanting to tell you something for ever so long. To me? Yes. My uncle, the grocer, is dead. I am very sorry. I am his heir. He has left me ten thousand livres. Oh, then I am glad. Now that I have got the money, I don't know what to do with it, and I am bothered about it. Then I am sorry again. No cause for that, because it has given me an idea that would never have struck me otherwise. Marriage. You are right. I would do the same if I could. Really? Would you? Have you not remarked that everybody says of late, what a change in Adrian's talent. True. It is greater than ever. Last night you played Fetre as you never did before. Ah, I was suffering that day. I was so unhappy. One's fortune does not bring many such evenings. And the reason? They were all speaking of a battle, and I had no news of him. Perhaps he was wounded, killed perchance. My heart was full of its measure of fear, of pain, of despair. Oh, how I suffered! My every expression that evening was real. I was not acting then. And now I know how to exhibit every feeling, even joy, for I have seen him again. Then you love someone? How can I conceal it from you, my best, my dearest friend? But... Uh... But how did it happen? It was the night of the ball at the opera. As I was leaving, some young officers, who could not have been sober, attempted to prevent me from entering my carriage. I was much frightened when a young man, whose face was totally unknown to me, sprang to my rescue. Gentlemen, he cried, for shame! This is Mademoiselle Le Couvre. Give way! Their only reply was insulting laughter, but quicker than thought, my protector flung them aside, and, taking me in his arms, placed me in my coach. The officers were furious. They drew their swords, and all four of them shouted, "'You will give us satisfaction, sir!' "'Willingly,' he replied, and in another moment, his weapon flashed against the four blades of his adversaries. I uttered a cry, but he said calmly, Fear nothing, mademoiselle. You will be in a private box for once, and the actors will be in front of you. I was so overcome with terror that my eyes seemed riveted upon him. And when I saw him, as in a play, parrying the thrust of those four swords, each directed towards his breast, I recognized the arm and courage of a hero. He did not retire a step. A moment more, and he stood no longer on the defense. He was attacking. Then, attracted by the noise of the crowd, the watchman arrived from all sides, and my aggressors, thoroughly ashamed, slunk silently away leaving my protector master of the field. Say, was he not a hero? And you have seen him since? Yes, the next morning. How could I prevent him from calling upon me to inquire after my health? He told me that he was a foreign officer in the French service, 
whose only hope to gain a fortune, title, a name even, was his courage. This was his surest passport to my heart. Had he been rich or noble, I should not have cared for him. But he was poor, struggling, dreaming, like myself, of love and glory. How could I resist him? It was fate. Three months ago, he left France to seek his fortune with the young Count de Saxe, his countryman. This morning he returned. His first visit was to me. His general, however, and the Secretary of State, required so much of his time that he could only stay a few moments. But he promised me to come here tonight, to the theatre. He will come. To see me play Roxana. Crosses left and sits right of left table. Michonet excitedly. And what a state you are in! All this nervousness, this excitement! You will not be able to put any finish to your acting. All detail will be wanting. Well, what of that? What of it? Are you not playing against Duclos for the first time tonight? Fear nothing. But I do fear. Calm and presence of mind are necessary, even with inspiration. Duclos will calculate every syllable, every step. And you? You will see only him. True. If I see him amongst the audience... Then all will be lost. Now, there's a good girl. Think only of your part. Love passes away. But a fine creation, a great triumph, remains to be remembered ever after. Come now. Kneels at her feet. Can't you give up thinking of him for a while? Alas, no. Michonet sits at her feet. Do for this evening, at least. Adrienne, my child, be great. I pray of you, if not for my sake, well, let it be for his. The love of man is only egotism, and if Duclos were to triumph over you... She will not. Thank you, my child, thank you. No, it is I who should thank you, my kind friend. Michonet aside. Say rather, you old fool of a Michonet. About to go, right, returns. There is one line which you never get quite right. Have I risked my all but for a rival's gain? You see, Adrienne, that that poor woman is so embittered by the idea that her rival wins by what she has done. You know that she feels that she says to herself, well, I can't give the expression, but you know what I mean. Have I risked my all but for a rival's gain? That's it, that's it. Excellent. You see, but you, you were saying a little while ago about marriage? It is useless now. Some other time, I leave you to study your part. Aside. Adrien is not for me. My dream is over. To Adrienne. Don't forget to drink a glass of water before going on the stage, and be sure, you know, the way you said it just now. All, all for a rival's gain. Ah, you don't know what it is to have a rival. Exit. Enter Maurice. Downstage left, three right. My deep-laid schemes, intrigues, 
in treason's fatal stains. Ah, have I risked my all but for a rival's gain? Then this is the green room of the Comédie Francoise, with its glorious memories. It is grand. One feels something like veneration in coming here for the first time. I hope nobody will recognize me, not even Adrienne. She little suspects who I am. Left. Maurice! Adrian. You, here? Yes, I was one of the first to enter the house. I found the pass door and asked to see you. I told the doorkeeper that I was a friend of yours, and that you were expecting me. The magic sound of your name was my key, and you see that I am here. How imprudent! You compromised me! Compromised you? How? Only the great noblemen who pass to and fro in this house by virtue of their gold seem to have the right to be near you, to admire you. Poor devils like myself are left to wipe their eyes in the dark corners of the theatre when you make their hearts beat with sympathy, and so I should have been had I not resorted to this little subterfuge. To be so near you and yet so far away was more than I could bear. I should have been condemned to wait until the performance was over to tell you, Adrian, I love you. Hush. I shall have to be on stage in a few moments. But before you go, let us speak of yourself. Tell me what you have done. Do bring me the records of some heroic deeds. Ah, how heavenly it must be to be great, to have all the world heralding the fame of your valour. If that were only so. Tell me, your young general, the Count de Saxe, of whom everybody speaks so well, and whom I should so much like to see, is he satisfied with you? The Count de Saxe is still more difficult to please than I am. But I never left him, and I have been wounded. By his side? Yes, as near him as possible. Brave boy. The mere thought of knowing you were wounded makes me shudder. But still, I know that you have been but doing your duty, that you are following the broad road to fame. Ah, I have already seen you sword in hand, your face aglow with proud defiance, and when you will relate to me, with a smile upon your lips, your deeds of daring, I feel sure, and you need not smile at the prophecy, that one day you will be great, for you are already a hero. You are a child, Adrian. But I am right. You will be great. Indeed. You will. I know how to make you. And how? I will so praise the Count de Saxe, with whom all the ladies are in love, that you will be compelled to emulate him, if only through jealousy. I shall never be jealous of him. How presumptuous! Have you seen the Secretary of State? Not yet, but I am going to write to him. Oh, don't! Why? You know, your spelling. Well, what of that? What of it? Oh, your first letter was very charming, full of tenderness and love, and touched my heart, but all the same it made me laugh through my tears. Your spelling was so original. But I am not a candidate for the Academy. That would not prevent your election, but you know I promised to be your tutor. And I have not forgotten your lessons. How I have tried to get those scenes from Corneille into my head. You did think of Cornell, then, 
in the midst of battle? Not of him, but of her who interpreted so divinely. And the little volume of La Fontaine's fables I gave you at parting? It never left me. I kept it here, near my heart. Once it saved my life. See where the bullet struck it. My guardian angel had given it to me. Your guardian angel, perhaps, for my prayers were ever with you. Did you read it at all? Well, to speak the truth, I am afraid I have not. What? Not even the fable of the two pigeons that I so particularly mentioned? Not even that. Forgive me. You see, it was only fable after all. Only a fable? Ah, you shall hear. Listen. Read. Two pigeons were lovers, both tender and true. Like you and I. When one of them tired of home, resolved to leave sweetheart, and all whom he knew, afar among strangers to roam. Like myself. The other then said, with a piteous tear, O oh, brother, do not go away, for absence from those whom we love and hold dear is pain that no leech can allay. Speaks. Not to you, cruel one. That last line is not in the fable, I know. Say, have you not all that your heart can desire? A home and good food and the rest. Yes, the rest. What is it? So it does interest you, sir. Now you see I might inflict upon you the long story of all the mishaps that befell the wanderer. I might even tell you of the broken heart of the one that stayed at home. But you shall only hear the moral. Do lovers ne'er wander from those who love you. But think one another the fairest of fair. The image that's limbed on the heart remains true. What's seen by the eye often fades into air. It makes all the difference when you read it. It is not La Fautin. It is inspiration. For shame. It is La Fautin altered for the better. The heart opens at the sound of your voice, and everything seems to become easy to me. Everything? Even spelling. Yes, even spelling. When shall I take my first lesson? Tonight, after the play. But you shall make me keep the stage waiting. I am very near my entrance. At you, then. You will see me act? I shall be there. Be sure to let me see you, that my glance may meet yours, that I may address my speeches to you, that you may inspire me. I will do my best to triumph. Ah, yes. I know that I shall triumph. Exit. Dear Adrian. Following. Ah, who is that? The prince? Oh, he must not see me here. Exit. Enter Prince de Bouillon and Mademoiselle Juvenot. Prince with letter. Thank you, Mademoiselle, thank you. I shall never forget the service you have rendered me. It was true, then. Only too true. Lucky chance. I am delighted to have afforded you some gratification. Oh, you call it gratification, do you? Well, perhaps, yes. I have for a long time been seeking some pretext to break off my connection with Duclaw. Why did you not say so before? What, mademoiselle? Enter Abbe Wright. Ah, it is you, Abbe. Exit Mademoiselle Juvenot Wright downstage. I have been successful. Or rather, you have been successful. Well... You know our bet of two hundred louis about de Saxe? De Saxe? I met him in the passage just now. He had evidently just left this room. An additional proof. 
i wish i had met him you will find him in box three by and by for that you wanted to know the name of his lady love and who is it i had not to go far to discover it you may pay the wager well who is it read this it will open your eyes as it did mine it is not long neither is it sweet but it is to the point Abbe reading for political reasons which you know very well i shall be glad to meet you tete-a-tete at ten o'clock to-night at my villa at the grand batelier love and discretion signed constance the signature of that faithless duclos her name is constance then yes but the name matters not i had the note from her maid penelope she gave it to you then enter callboy she sold it to me at a good price too to callboy who crosses his back take this note to box three do not say who gave it to you exit callboy left down stage and now my dear abbe i rely on you in what way prince excitedly i owe it to my princely dignity to make a fearful row to-night and you shall help me we will go to her house and smash everything i think that would be in bad taste for an abbe and totally against all principles of science she betrayed science in me science must know how to keep her secrets a soldier like the count de saxe may make as much noise as he likes but you a near relation of the queen a married man why our world would laugh at you all our world will laugh anyway the theatre francais is not a conservatory of secrets there is mademoiselle juvenal you would swear she had not seen a soul since i told her and yet i feel as though she had related the story to a dozen people well anticipate her tell it to everybody yourself or better still a revenge worthy of yourself the two lovers arrange to pass this evening tete-a-tete in that little villa which really belongs to you i should think so have i not bought it and furnished it regardless of expense so much the better i should treat it as my own house give a fine supper there to-night and invite all the company of the theatre francais all the ladies especially a supper splendid idea delicious my money you know will pay for it i lost the wager true instead of the expected tete-a-tete surprise a splendid effect as they say on the stage mythological tableau mars and venus surprised comedietta in one act with a vengeance for a moral go issue your invitations right above all keep the secret from duclos and our play will be eminently successful applause outside why that's for le couvreur bravo it seems the hour of triumph has already come michonet runs in yes it has come adrien's triumph 
do you hear how they are applauding? Go on, bravo, bravo, Adrien. Duclos is nowhere. Bravo, bravo. He is actually applauding her. Bravo, bravo, Adrien Le Couvreur. We will get a bouquet, a dozen bouquets. Come along, Abbe. Duclos shall be mad with jealousy. Exeunt, Prince and Abbe, Michonet, looking after him. She's conquered even him. He has evidently more taste than I give him credit for. Goes to door. Now she's at the monologue. What a breathless silence. What a hold she has over them. As if hearing her speak. That's good. That's good. No, not so fast, my darling Adrian. That's good. That's better. What style! How natural! Applaud, idiot! Why don't you applaud? Splendid! She is divine! Applause outside. It is evident he is in the house. She has seen him. And to think that she is acting to him. To think that she sees only him at the moment. That his glance inspires her genius. It is fearful. Listening. How splendidly that line was delivered. I am going mad, I think. I am laughing, crying. I think I shall die with grief and with joy. <laughs> I am forgetting everything, even my jealousy. Looking round him. Yes, even my hand properties. Where is Satima's letter? I saw it a moment ago. Surely I have not lost it. I wonder where it can be. Looks in table drawer. Enter Maurice. I wish the Duke of Colland were. Ah, perhaps in this drawer. Finding letter. I shall miss my appointment with Adrian. On the other hand, what am I to do about this note which Duclos has sent me in the name of the princess? How on earth did she discover me in that box? I can't keep her waiting all night away from home, especially as she comes to bring me news from the Secretary of State. If I could only see Adrian... If I could only tell her. Goes towards stage. Where are you going, sir? I want to speak to Mademoiselle Le Couvre. Impossible, sir. She's on the stage. When will she leave it? She will never leave it, if I can help it. Maurice, aside. Another mishap. To Michonet. I wish you would tell her, sir. Excuse me. I am very busy just now. Pushes Maurice up center. Enter Kino left. My dagger! Quick! My dagger! My dear Monsieur Cano, would you mind giving to Zatima this letter for Roxana? I, sir? You are joking, sir. Whom do you take me for, sir? I beg your pardon. Surely you won't mind telling Mademoiselle Jouvenel not to go on the stage without the letter which is on this table? Very well, sir. She shall be told. Exit right to stage. Maurice goes to table. Michonet follows Kino laughing. His eye and mightiness, the grand vizier, is not in good humour. Roxana is too much for him. Goes to door. Ah, there is Duclos. You may try whatever you like, poor girl. Your sing-song won't do any more. It is old-fashioned. It's all over with you. You're beaten. Maurice sits at table, takes the parchment which Michonet has placed there, and opens it. What? Not a word written on it? By Jove, all is fair in love and war. That line will explain. Writes a few lines in pencil and replaces parchment. Michonet still listening. Ah, there is Adrien again. How sweet her voice is. If I were a theatre, perhaps I would play the lovers. 
I should be playing Bayazet, and she would say to me, I love you. One is always young and handsome when one is a societaire of the Comédie Française. Enter Mademoiselle Juvenot hastily, right down stage. Mademoiselle Juvenot crosses to table, right. Where is my letter, Michonet? My letter to Roxana? Here, on the table. Did not Monsieur Canon tell you? No. You know he wouldn't stoop to do a kindness for the world. Maurice gives parchment. Here it is, mademoiselle. Thanks, monsieur. What a handsome young officer. Mm, very handsome. You will miss your cue, mademoiselle. Hurrying her. I am going. Exit right. The fates have been propitious. She'll have the paper. She'll know that I can't come this evening. Oh, my Duke of Courland, you are costing me very dear. Exit left. Ah, Sarah is Satima. She gives Roxana the letter. Heavens, what an effect! Adrienne is trembling. She seems hardly able to stand. Admirable, beautiful. Applause outside. There is the curtain. Yes, applaud. Don't be afraid to damage your hands. Bravo, bravo. Enter Adrienne hurriedly with letter. Where is he? He? Who? The gentleman who wrote this note. This note? What note? These lines on my letter. Hans Michonet, letter. Why? It's Satima's letter to Roxana. Reads. I cannot come this evening, my darling. Duties which I cannot explain prevent me. I have only a moment to write this line. Till tomorrow, dearest Maurice. How on earth did he manage this? Never mind, though. You succeeded tonight. Enter Kino. Poisson, Mademoiselle Juvenot, Mademoiselle d'Angeville, Prince, and Abbe. Right, one right, actors and actresses. Let me congratulate you, mademoiselle. You were sublime, mademoiselle. Allow me to pay my homage at the shrine of genius. Courage, my child. Here is everybody congratulating you on your triumph. My triumph? And he did not stay to see it? Ah. Uh. Away, tears. Well, Prince, you were saying... I am desirous of celebrating your success tonight by a supper. I have invited most of the ladies and gentlemen of the Théâtre Francais, but our company would be incomplete without you, Mademoiselle Le Couvreur. I know not how to thank you, but I am not inclined to pleasure this evening. Abbé left. So much more reason to join our gaiety. A charming supper where you will meet the very best people in arts points to actors at court points to prince among the clergy points to himself and in the army the young count de saxe will be with us he is the hero of the evening oh i am so anxious to see the count de saxe indeed i wish to ask a favour of him to intercede with him for a young lieutenant whom i wish to make a captain we will place you next to the count at supper and before the dessert is brought in your friend will be a colonel your offer is very tempting but where am i to go to i have no one to escort me uh, may, may i ah uh, no thanks well then come alone you know duclos little villa yes what a lovely garden she has her garden faces yours 
Here is the key of the garden gate. It is only a few steps. That is an inducement, certainly. You accept, then? I have not said so yet. Monsieur Michonnet, will he accompany you? With pleasure, Prince. That is to say, as soon as I have made all arrangements for tomorrow's performance. Aside, looking at Adrienne. I shall be near her. Adrienne, aside. Yes, I will try to advance his interest. He shall see that I have not forgotten him. The ungrateful man. That shall be my revenge. Callboy, outside. Beginners for the second act? Beginners, ladies and gentlemen. To Prince and Abbe, who are surrounded by ladies. I am very sorry, but I shall have to send your highness and your reference away. Separates them from the actors. You will keep the stage waiting. To Prince. That way, Monseigneur, if you please. Exunt omnes, except Adrienne and Michonnet. And now to commence the act. Exit, right, downstage. Three knocks heard outside, right. No, this is not a letter from one who is faithless. The loving hand that traced it is visible in every stroke. Till tomorrow, dearest Maurice. Kisses letter. Maurice. As I breathe the name, soft zephyrs seem to waft the echoes back to my heart. Maurice, my love, ah, if it is only a dream, then let me dream. I am so happy. Enter Michonnet, right, downstage. Atrienne, Atrienne, it is near your entrance. Touches her. She takes no notice. Come, Atrienne. It is near your cue. Recovering. Yes, yes. As if from a dream. I am going. Act drop. End of Act Two. Act Three of Adrienne Lecouvreur by Gabriel Legouvet and Eugène Scribe. Translated by H. Herman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene. An elegant salon in the house of Grange Batelier. Center. Doors. Back. A sliding panel. Door right. Door left. Window right. Princess discovered. I am waiting. I, a princess de Bouillon am actually being kept waiting. I cannot disguise the fact. I am being kept waiting. Duclos sent me word that Maurice had received her note, that he was in a box at the theatre, alone. Alone? I am not so sure that that is true. I hurried here, and he, perhaps, keeps me in suspense for another. Clock strikes. Eleven o'clock? Count, Count, last year you were always the first to arrive. Now you are more than an hour late. I hurried hither to serve you, and you allow me time to reflect that I could also ruin you if I chose to, since your political fortune is in my hands. You are more than ungrateful. You are foolish. Enter Maurice. Oh, at last! A thousand pardons, princess. No excuses, pray. 
Another might, perhaps, think of her injured dignity. I am only calculating the time I have lost without seeing you. At midnight I must be back home again. I have been to Versailles, as I promised you, and the Queen has interceded for you with the Cardinal. How good of you. Kisses her hand. The Secretary of State gives you permission to raise the two regiments at your own expense. Hurrah! Madman! Have you any money? No. How will you pay your soldiers, then? I shall not pay them at all, except after a victory. They are quite willing to get killed for me on credit. But you owe the Count Calcret sixty thousand livres on a promissory note. What of that? Most dangerous. The Russian ambassador has set the police on your track, and that is not all. Your Russian friend is trying his utmost to discover the whereabouts of Monsieur de Calcret's. And for what purpose? To buy your promissory note, and to become your creditor so as to be able to have you thrown in prison. That would be gentlemanly conduct indeed. It would be a stroke of genius. While you are a prisoner, the Russians could do what they liked in Corlan. That's true. What's to be done? The chief of police has promised to inform me of Monsieur de Calcret's address the moment he has news. Then you will go and see your creditor. To fight him? No. To make some arrangement. The simplest would be to pay him. And how? I have not sixty thousand livres. And alas, neither have I. Besides that, I would not accept them from you. There is only one other way. And that is? To leave Russia, Sweden, and the police to fight it out amongst themselves. I leave tomorrow. But surely you cannot want to leave Paris so soon. The least thing you could do would be to stop a few days that you might recompense me for all I have risked for your sake. I should be ungrateful indeed if I were not frank with you. I do not understand deception. This morning I intended to confess. That you love another. Whom? One, perhaps, not to be compared to you. But whom? Answer. You do not know what I am capable of when I am roused. Why should I not tell you loyally the truth? I have never seen a more charming woman than yourself nor one whom it was more difficult to resist. And why? Because the charms by which you held your admirers were garlands of flowers. They were so graceful, so delicate, that they seemed made for adornment, but not for bondage. Maurice! You know the stipulations of our platonic treaty. Our intimacy was to be a sort of pastime, not a serious engagement. You reserved the right to break it at will, and that was only just. But where there is no oath of fidelity... There can be no perjury. I should be a villain if I ever wanted in friendship, in gratitude to you. But in all other respects, Princess, I think I am free. Free to betray me? We shall see. I will know her. Should I have to ruin you to ruin her, I would do so. Hush, do you hear that noise in the garden? The sound of wheels. Do you expect anybody? Of course not. Mademoiselle Duclos is the only person who could come, and she would not dare, knowing I am here. Heavens, it is my husband. Impossible. It is the prince. I am sure I recognized him. But he is not alone. Others are with him. I can hear them. They are coming up the staircase. I am lost. My reputation will be ruined. They are coming. Points to door left. Ah, that door. Rushes to door left. Where does it lead to? To a small boudoir. Rushes out, door, right. Enter Prince and Abbe. Ah, we have caught you, Count. Are you here, gentlemen? I saw the lady. 
I saw her. Oh, you are jesting. No, not at all. I caught sight of a flowing robe just as it slipped through the door. Aha! Saxony attacking France. What do you mean? That we know all, my dear Count. And such an affair must not pass in silence. We want noise, plenty of witnesses. Maurice to Prince. I should have thought, Prince, that it would be in your interest to avoid publicity. But since you desire it, since you know... Everything. I have proofs. Well, I am at your service. If the abbe will consent, notwithstanding his cloth, to be our witness, I think there is a garden here. We can just step downstairs. At this hour? All hours will do for fighting. That is just where you are wrong, Count. We are not speaking of fighting. With a magnanimity which is hardly ever equalled on the stage, the prince is willing that you should retain your conquest on the condition that the treaty of peace be ratified here by a supper. Gentlemen you are laughing i should think so it is my interest to prove to duclos maurice aside he thinks it is duclos that i don't care for her a bit and that france and saxony are not going to fight about her a little bit <laughs> it will be fun but you're not laughing you seem puzzled uh, yes i was at first but now i see a capital joke is it not to carry off duclos with my consent as an act of friendship and now as allies you must shake hands uh, certainly and as it will be necessary to have to conform to legality for the ratification of the treaty i will fetch the notary of the comedie francaise and a lot of witnesses exit centre door what does he say ah you have no idea of the brilliant society you will meet in my house or rather in yours for to-night you are the master the hero of the evening the celebration is in your honour you are too kind and i have another surprise for you a charming young lady is anxious to make your acquaintance and the abbe who is our master of ceremonies is gone to fetch her to introduce you to her before supper you do me infinite honour aside if only i could set the poor prisoner free prince at centre door come mademoiselle the count de saxe is awaiting you impatiently enter abbe and adrienne mademoiselle you are trembling i always do in the presence of great men mademoiselle le couvreur allow me to present to you maurice turns round quickly the count de saxe heavens the count de saxe it is not possible maurice whispers silence what is the matter only a surprise quite natural i thought i did not know the count de saxe and i know him well very well by sight oh no i have already spoken to him where at the ball at the opera in disguise yes the count de saxe seems to like disguises perhaps there were reasons and if i were to ask you to judge for yourself mademoiselle that comes quite apropos for mademoiselle le couvre has a favour to ask of you of me yes she only consented to come with us to intercede with you for a young lieutenant a friend of hers 
for whom she wanted to obtain a captaincy indeed mademoiselle you i did but now i dare not and why i thought him only a poor officer with no fortune but his sword but now i fear he does not require my assistance whoever he may be your protection must always be a source of happiness to him we shall see i'll inquire and if he is really worthy you shall have plenty of time to speak about that at supper you shall sit side by side and now abbe i think it is time to see if everything is ready yes i will look after the fruits and flowers i am the presiding genius on this occasion exit i have something still more important to look after i must see that no one leaves this house before supper oh i am not going away i promise but i'll make sure i will myself see all the doors locked and give the password so that no one may be able to leave before daybreak exit maurice aside by jove what will become of the princess you the count de saxe i can scarcely believe it speak that i may be sure i am not dreaming my adrian maurice my idol my hero my heart spoke truly you are great hush the mystery which has hitherto shrouded our love is more than ever necessary now do not fear the flame of my love is far too fierce to be fanned by the breath of pride were they not speaking of some new enterprise of some fresh campaign against russia of the conquest of the duchy of courland which you were about to undertake unaided i can well understand that when such vast interests are at stake the love of a poor girl like myself must stand sorely in your way no no never i will be silent my joy and my pride shall lie buried in my heart in secret only i will feast on your love and your glory if i will show my adoration for the great soldier of the age it will be in common with the crowd they may celebrate your exploits but i shall hear them from your own lips they will grant you titles wealth but you will allow me to assuage your grief you will speak to me of the enemies born of your success of the sting of jealousy and envy that persecute the hero of the battlefield quite as much as the artist you will confide in me and i will console you inspire you my voice will say courage march on to the great goal which you have in view as france's glory spreads its halo over you so will the record of your deeds be glorious to her to her devote your genius your strong right arm i ask nothing but your love my good angel thus be ever with me yes ever always see even to-night distressed by your absence i was thinking of you i thought i might intercede for you with the count de saxe yes emboldened by my love for you i came here intent to use all my arts to win his favour that was my intention it is so still shall i succeed bright fairy who could resist you 
and so you were going to dazzle this Countess Saxe with all your witchery. Ah, you see how lucky you are. Even when the fates seem to conspire against you, you and the Count de Saxe alone occupied my thoughts. But hush, someone comes. Enter Abbe, carrying a basket of flowers, and Michonnet, left, Abbe placing basket on table and making bouquets while speaking to Michonnet. I am very sorry for you, my dear Michonnet, but the orders are final. No one who has entered here leaves before daybreak. I thought that your good offices would be sufficient to enable me to get away, if only for a moment. Oh, I cannot help you. My concern lies with flowers, bouquets, and supper. But the prince is the governor. He himself locked all the gates of the fortress, and he has the keys in his pocket. But, Michonette, what is it? Most important about tomorrow's performance. Poor fellow. He thinks of that only by day, and dreams of it at night. One of the artists has been suddenly taken ill, and I wanted to see Mademoiselle Duclos. What? To ask her if she will play Cleopatra tomorrow. Is that all? Still arranging bouquets. Maurice, aside. Now for it. If that is the case, you need not trouble yourself, my good friend. Mademoiselle Duclos will sup with us to-night. All right, then I'll stay. Yes, she is the heroine of the evening. Ask the Comte du Saxe. Adrienne to Maurice. This is Monsieur Michonnet, our prompter, and my best friend. I believe I had the pleasure of seeing His Excellency this evening in the green room. To Adrienne. And I think he asked after you. That does not matter now. What about Cleopatra and Mademoiselle Duclos? True, but since you assure me that she is here... Abbe, leaving the table, and coming between Adrienne and Michonnet, and running a ribbon round a bouquet. This is her house. She made an appointment here with the Count Saxe. What do you say? Oh, it was to be strictly private, quite tete-a-tete. I know all about it, but I am guilty of indiscretion in saying a word about it before supper. Never mind, we are here among friends, so I think I may tell the story. I shall not allow it, sir. The Count is right. He knows the details much better than I let him relate it sir i should spoil it altogether i'm afraid whilst the hero of the adventure to adrienne might i offer this bouquet to melpomine oh good gracious what a tragic expression see for yourself count adrienne what is the matter i nothing nothing I am quite well, you see. I am only sorry to have interrupted the adventure, the account of which we were about to hear. And it was an adventure. Just as we were entering the room, Mademoiselle Duclos left it. 
we saw her run out of that door pointing and she is there still here yes go and look i will stay one word i'll go and see i must know if she'll play cleopatra exit door a political negotiation of which neither the prince nor the abbe must have the slightest knowledge brought me here tonight my whole future depends on it and mademoiselle duclos she is not here and i do not love the person who is in that room i swear it upon my honour do you believe me i do thanks but you must do even more than that for me you must prevent the abbe from entering that room and from seeing the person who is in there whilst i will endeavour to get her out of this house unperceived go i will watch here thanks adrian thanks exit center upon his honour oh no i cannot disbelieve him enter michonnet adrien adrien what an adventure what is it it is not duclos he said so it is really not duclos what not duclos who is it then Hush it is a secret well there are only three of us and i don't count not duclos and the count de saxe confessed it was she who is it then i don't know i know only that it is not she that i swear have you seen her not at all good it was quite dark still i thought i saw by the window the lace wrapper of a lady i said simply business i am missionary will you play cleopatra to-morrow an unknown voice replied for whom do you take me for mademoiselle duclos of course i said i am not duclos continued the voice i am here on a matter that must remain strictly secret but whoever you may be if you can find me the means to escape from this house unseen you may count upon my protection and your fortune is made i replied that i was not ambitious but if she could only procure my nomination as a societaire of the comedy francaise well i would do what i could do for her i shall be a societaire at last now what can be done first of all we must know who she is surely you don't think of that but she came here with the count de saxe of that i am sure so much more the reason to respect her but you don't know you cannot know what interest i have to know the name of this person adrien aside maurice spoke the truth abbe aside the princess relies upon me and i must know it at any price monsieur you will not enter here but just a glimpse no i will appeal to the prince himself who will not permit in his house you are right i will fly to the prince he will be delighted what luck for him duclos innocent after all completely innocent he did not expect it neither did i exit he's gone what are you going to do set free that person whoever she may be 
and save her but why i promised and i will it so enough may i at least assist you be of some use no not a soul must see her blows out the candles not even i but how are you going to manage in the dark fear nothing watch outside that nobody may surprise us it is a peculiar business but i am going i am going exit adrienne searches for door and knocks no answer open madame in the name of maurice de saxe door opens ah i knew the open sesame for this enchanted cave princess opening door what do you want with me to save you to afford you means of leaving this place all the doors are locked i have the key of the garden gate how fortunate give it give it unfortunately that is not enough you will have to descend unseen but how i do not know i am unacquainted with the house be reassured there is a secret door panel somewhere about here searches ah here it is but you to whom i owe so much who are you no matter go i cannot distinguish your features nor i yours i know your voice i have heard it more than once yes yes why spurn my gratitude it is you duchesse de mirepoix no no but delay not a moment to escape the danger which threatens you you know it then never mind trust to my discretion and fear nothing but the danger the secret who confided it to you one who tells me everything princess aside heavens aloud who gave maurice the right to tell you everything and who gave you the right to call him maurice and by what right do you question me why your hand is trembling you love him with all the passion of my soul and so do i ah you are the one i seek and who are you greater than you that is certain who will prove that i will ruin you and i i protect you this is too much i must see your face then i shall have to tear the mask from yours prince outside egad now we shall learn the truth princess aside my husband's voice and i have to leave when my rival is in my power when i am about to see her stay do stay they are bringing lights yes i will stay oh no no i dare not rushes through secret door and closes it enter prince and abbe and ladies and two servants with lights adrienne to prince come in looks round she has gone vanished how i hate her prince to abbe you are positive that it is not duclos i swear it well i believe you but i must judge for myself come with me exeunt right adrienne aside on my honour he said upon his honour i cannot believe yet that he has deceived me enter michonet on tiptoe well that lady you have saved her then yes she crossed the garden just now with the comte de saxe are you sure of course i am in a hurry she drops this bracelet give it to me 
And the Count de Saxe. He left with her. With her? Yes. Don't you trouble yourself about her. They seemed very happy together. All hope is lost. Upon his honor, he said. Upon his honor. Staggers and falls on chair. Act drop. End of Act 3. Act 4 of Adrienne Le Couvreur by Gabriel Le Gouvet and Eugène Scribe. Translated by H. Herman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene An elegantly furnished salon in the Hotel of the Prince. Doors. Princess discovered servant discovered you have not been able to discover any trace of my bracelet no your highness have you seen the coachman he knows nothing of it you know i place implicit confidence in you that bracelet must be found at any price it shall be found servant goes up to table and is about to take casket from it what have you there the casket which his highness brought yesterday oh that horrible thing take it out of my sight stay who is with the prince now a messenger from mademoiselle le couvreur from mademoiselle le couvreur aside and not to me monsieur de bouillon you are fickle duclos yesterday le couvreur today to servant do you know the messenger yes it is monsieur michonnet the prompter of the comedie francaise princesse aside the man who came into the room where i was hidden in that dreadful house when i think that she was in my power and that she escaped me unknown unrecognized but i will know her her voice seems still to be ringing in my ears i know every intonation and yet i cannot place it but when i have found her to servant what are you waiting for for your orders your highness why are you holding that casket put it down your highness just ordered me to take it away stop goes slowly up to servant and takes the casket from his hand give it to me i will see to it myself servant bows and exits princess takes up casket and makes a movement to open it but shuts it again quickly michonet's voice outside thanks points a thousand thanks not another step further it is too much honour that man ah when i have found her takes up casket and exits quickly enter michonet to think of it a prince de bouillon a descendant of the crusaders conducting me to his door me a poor prompter what more could he have done if i were a sociataire well I have executed my commission successfully, too. I can go back to rehearsal. Looks at watch. Goodness gracious! They will all be gone, and I was not there. It is the first time I have missed a call since I have been in the theatre. It is too terrible to contemplate. But then, Adrienne, ask me to come here. And she seems so impatient for the answer. Enter servant and Adrienne. Yes, mademoiselle. He is here still. Exit. Michonnet, right. Dear me, she has come for the answer herself. I have been waiting for you for an age. 
Where have you been these two hours? I was afraid you had met with an accident. Some obstacle had intervened. Obstacle? None whatsoever. Every door opened at the mention of your name. I was shown to the prince at once. I didn't make a long story of it. I said simply, Your Highness has often told Mademoiselle Le Couvre that you would give her sixty thousand livres for the diamonds presented to her by the Queen, and, Your Highness, here are the diamonds. Please give me the money. That was short and sweet, wasn't it? Well, and then? He didn't give me the money at once. He wanted to know what it was for. I told him I didn't know. And as you hadn't told me, that was perfectly true. He hummed and hard, and then sat down and wrote on the scrap of paper an order upon the treasury for sixty thousand livres. Give this to Mademoiselle Le Couvre, he said, and tell her that I keep her diamonds merely as a deposit. I liked that. And then he added, whenever she likes to take the trouble to fetch them herself, she can have them back again. I didn't quite like that. Then you have the sixty thousand livres. Yes, and also the ten thousand more that you wanted. I fetched them first. That's what kept me so long. You're not angry with me now, are you? And where did you get them? From my uncle's notary. It is your inheritance. All you have in the world. Good, kind Michonette, I dare not take it. I may risk my fortune, but not yours. But why risk? Explain. I cannot. Then don't. I shan't ask you. Take it. That's all I want. Well. Aside. I shall be able to restore it to him, after all. To Michonet. Take all this money at once to the Russian ambassador. The Russian ambassador? Yes, and get from him, with a receipt for the interest, a promissory note drawn by the Count de Cocruz and accepted by the Count de Saxe. I don't understand. Well, there is no reason why you should. Enter, Abbe. Center. Hush, hush, that busybody, the abbe. Abbe, center. How? Mademoiselle Le Couvre here already? I hope that you are not going to say that we are to be deprived of your charming performance this evening. No, no, I have promised to contribute my humble efforts to the amusement of the prince's guest and I shall keep my word. I breathe again. One of our admirers will be absent from the party, the poor Count de Saxe. Ow! Oh. It is not very romantic, but vastly amusing. Our young hero, you know, was about to set out this very week for Corland to conquer it, to become a grand duke or king or emperor or something equally exalted when lo an enemy comes who proves even too much for the sword of sacks and he is the holder of a bill for the trifling amount of sixty thousand livres michonet aside the very sum the russian ambassador to keep our warrior out of mischief 
bought the bill they say of one count calcritz a sweet you know him then eh signal of caution from adrian but the best of the joke is that the scheme of buying the bill was suggested to the ambassador by a great lady a great lady unfortunately i do not know but i hope to know her she was actuated it seems by a fit of jealousy but i must tell my story to the prince who is equally at home in matters of chemistry and scandal exit you love him then yes and are going to deliver him yes with your fortune with my heart's blood if necessary and this when you know he loves another i know it you say this so calmly ah you cannot understand that one can love in spite of oneself no and that one can love seeking to hide that love from oneself blushing with shame at the thought of it shame that springs from the purest love ah but i do understand you adrian i do and what do you hope to do to save him to drag him from the prison into which he has been thrown through the dastardly spite the ignoble jealousy of that great lady your rival perhaps the one who lost the bracelet her whom he prefers to you her for whom he left you last night don't speak like that you would strike me like cold steel and surely that is not your intention no no it is not that rival i must know her i want to go to her and tell her he was thrown into prison through you i gave him liberty liberty to see you to love you perhaps to betray me if he chooses now tell me madam which of us loves more but why all this for one so ungrateful why you ask me why am i not allowed to be revenged and to be revenged in my own way did you not hear that the moment of action had arrived that his troops were waiting for him that the time had come for him to win a duchy perhaps to place a crown upon his brow and then think of it friend think of it that he will owe it all to me king through the love of her whom he abandoned and betrayed king through the devotion of the poor actress ah let him do what he may he could never forget that he may stifle his love his glory and his power will ever speak to him of me now do you understand my vengeance the load of all my gifts shall weigh his conscience down ah my great cornell come to my aid give me courage fill my heart with generous impulses with sublime sentiments such as thou hast so often placed upon my lips enable me to prove to them all that we the interpreters of thy genius must by inspiration of thy thought gain some of thy nobility i will do as thou hast taught me to michonet run lose not a moment deliver him i will wait for you at home exit michonet 
Michonet, there is something very wrong with your economy. She gives a fortune for her lover. You are giving yours for a rival. That's slightly different, and I am afraid I'll never find any authority in Cornhay for it. I am wild with the fellow that he does not love her, and I should be absolutely furious if he did. Ah, there is a lady coming this way. How handsome she is, the princess without doubt. I can get away without her seeing me. Let us be off to appease hungry Russia. Exit. Enter Princess. Let Maurice join her now, if he can. He will find that the garlands of flowers by which I hold my admirers have become fetters of steel not so easily broken. The stipulations of our platonic treaty were not to bind a man's heart forever. We will see, Count, if you can be free to choose your loves. And I should have learned the secret but for my husband. Enter Abbe. Ah, there is that stupid Abbe who promised to unravel the mystery and never knows anything. Ah, oh, madame, so much grace and splendor. I am dazzled. It was my desire to be ready in good time for the reception, and while I was waiting, I was dreaming. Not of me, not of me. Perhaps, who knows? My thoughts were intent on one object, and you know I have not forbidden you to assist me. On the contrary. Well, madam, I am furious. I have found nothing out yet. Indeed, you reassure me. I counted so much on your talents and your skill that I was already frightened at the promised reward. But thank fate and you. Ah, oh, do not speak thus. You plunge me in despair. Abbe, I am afraid you will never succeed. You are always too late. I did all I could. I felt sure I recognized her, and everything seemed to prove that it was Duclos. Your husband himself seemed to be convinced of it. So much more reason not to believe it. I myself have been either luckier or cleverer than you. By a singular accident one night last week, I met this mysterious beauty. Abbe left center. You know her? Then why send me to discover her? It was very dark, and I could not distinguish her features. I only recollect her voice. She spoke but very few words, but the sound was perfectly known to me. I must have heard it hundreds of times, and still I cannot think who she is. Strange. I have tried all I know. I have called upon all my acquaintances. I, first of all, thought it was Madame de Mirepoix. I went to her. Bah! A squeaky little voice, like a soprano out of tune. Then I called upon Madame Sancerre and Madame Beauvau. You have no idea how anxious I was about their health, or all the questions I asked in search of those accents which haunted me and still seemed as unattainable as a will-o'-the-wisp. I listened to all their tales and their idle prattle with an heroic courage all spent in vain. 
not a syllable that reminded me of that voice. But still, I know that I have heard it often and among my intimate acquaintances. Stay. Did you try the Duchesse d'Aumont? No. Why? An inspiration, an idea. What? You, Abbe? It would be strange. You may be right after all. She seemed so interested yesterday in Count de Saxe. Perhaps she had all the news from him, not from Florestan de Belisle. Her cousin. Do you believe in cousins? Ah, they are very convenient. Crosses right center. Enter servant, right center, announcing. Her grace, the Duchess d'Aumont. Exit. Princess, left center, aside to Abbe. Fate sends her to us. To Duchess. How kind of you, my dear, to come so early. The Abbe and myself were just speaking of you. Duchess center. Really? Abbe, right center. Of your admiration of Mademoiselle Le Couvre? Yes, she is a genius. And the enthusiasm with which you speak of Monsieur de Saxe? Yes, he is a great man. That reminds me, I am always to be your newsbearer. He has been arrested this morning. Arrested? Yes, for debt. Poor fellow. To think that he who defied an army has fallen a victim to a bailiff. Enter Prince. Left door. Marquise, Countess, and other ladies and gentlemen. Abbe, right, center, aside to Princess. Did you recognize the voice? Princess, aside to Abbe. No, not a bit like it. Search. Try all you know, and perhaps... Goes to receive ladies. Ladies, what I tell you is perfectly true. The Count de Saxe is at this moment free. Free? Good heavens! What? You know it also? How disagreeable. I thought I was the only person that was aware of it. There was a rumour this morning that the Sovereign of Courland had been arrested for a considerable sum of money. Is it not true, then? Oh, dear, yes. Then how does he come to be free? Why, it is quite a romance. Not at all. The most coldly formal affair possible. Somebody has paid his debts. And don't you see in that something extraordinarily romantic? But tell me who paid his debts. Ah, you must ask the prince. I do not know. And I, ladies. Well? And I do not know either. All that I do know is that he is free. He was only liberated a moment ago, and he has sent a challenge to Monsieur de Calcroix. I have just seen the bearer of the challenge, and that is how I know all about it. A duel. How very awkward. He was to have been here this evening. Ah, oh, fear nothing. He will come. Do you think so, madame? Enter servant, announcing. Mademoiselle Le Couvreur and Monsieur Michonnet of the Comédie Française. Exit. Enter Adrienne and Michonnet. Prince receiving Adrienne. How shall I thank you, mademoiselle, for the favour you confer upon madame de Bouillon and myself? Duchess, write to Princess. Do introduce me to Mademoiselle Le Couvreur. It is so very long that I have admired her from a distance. I shall be so happy to tell her so personally. Princess introducing. The Duchess d'Aumont, Mademoiselle Le Couvreur. In truth, ladies, 
I feel quite confused by so much honour. Michonet aside. She looks as great a lady as the best of them. You and the other ladies who have deigned to receive me. Princess aside. Heavens! That voice! Afford the humble artist the opportunity of studying that exquisite style, that elegance of carriage which you alone possess. Princess aside. What do I hear? I am sure i have heard that voice no it is not possible it, it is a dream what an idea an actress my rival and why not looks at adrienne who is surrounded by all the noblemen are they not all at her feet at this moment why should he differ from them this state of doubt is insupportable i must confirm it or refute it at any price turns to ladies and gentlemen well shall we begin we must wait a little bit longer for the count de saxe you know he promised to come princess right centre looking at adrienne i am afraid he will not aside she is listening what makes you think so you know he is free free through the power of love she is trembling still did she deliver him aloud i did not want to banish your hopes nor spread a gloom do you not know that he has fought a duel? A duel? Princess aside. She is approaching. Aloud. And the abbe, who knows everything, says that the count has been dangerously wounded. I said so. Princess aside. Silence. Crosses to Adrienne, who faints in a chair. Mademoiselle Le Couvreur is fainting. Aside. It must be she. Michonet to Adrienne. Adrienne. Adrienne recovering. Oh, it is nothing. The light. The heat. To Princess. Thanks, madame. You are too kind. Aside. What a look. Enter servant. The Count de Saxe. Exit. Ah. Michonet aside to Adrienne. Take care. Take care. Joy betrays more even than grief. Enter Maurice. Prince to maurice welcome count you are not wounded then as the abbe was saying just now wounded why i never bah charles the twelfth was the last swede who knew anything about fighting and the count de calcroitz disarmed at the second pass he was not worth killing aside to princess you are right princess in saying that you would make me return the service which you have rendered me he is whispering to her can she be the lady I met last night? Princess to Maurice. I do not understand you. I must speak to you. This evening, then, when they are all gone. Maurice seeing Adrienne. Well, uh, Mademoiselle Le Couvre. Prince to Maurice. By the by, Count, I wish to ask you something about Sweden. Abbe, right, aside to Princess. But, my dear princess, why did you say a little while ago that I had said... Why? Aloud. Because you never know anything. Imagine, ladies, this poor abbe, who thinks that he is one of the cleverest men in the world, has been racing about Paris for the last two days to discover a secret. What do you think it is? The name of the unknown beauty for whom the Count de Saxe has given up the daughter of the empress of russia but while i think of it perhaps mademoiselle le couvreur can throw a light upon this mystery adrienne 
up left center. Ay, madame, doubtless, for all the world is saying that it is a lady who belongs to the theatre. Strange. At the theatre, the report is current that she is a lady of title. I have even heard something about a meeting at night. And I about a visit to a villa. This is very delightful. What pretty scandal. I was told that the actress had been surprised by a jealous rival. You astonish me. I have been told that the great lady had been obliged to leave the house through the arrival of an obtrusive husband. Why, you seem to know all about it, you two. They know a great deal more about it than I do. And I should like to decide which of you is right. Have you any proof? I have. Mine is a bouquet of roses, tied with a golden cord, presented by the pretty one to her adorer. Adrienne aside. My bouquet. This is splendid. Indeed. And have you proof also, mademoiselle? Indeed I have. The lady, while escaping through the garden, dropped... Like Cinderella, her glass slipper. No, a bracelet of diamonds. Why, this is quite a fairy tale. It is reality. This bracelet was found by my friend. And here it is. Princess aside my bracelet abbe taking and showing it splendid look at it ladies enter prince and maurice princess calmly oh yes it is superb what are you looking at this bracelet it is my wife's his wife yes going up and showing it it is very handsome is it not adrienne aside it is she princess to prince when you have quite done with my bracelet prince puts it on well now that the count de saxe is here perhaps mademoiselle le couvreur will be good enough to recite adrienne aside i recite at this moment be calm my child be careful there are better actresses than you in this room mademoiselle will you be kind enough yes monsieur le comte how delightful pray be seated ladies they sit to maurice there is room here count by my side he crosses to couch adrienne aside to see them there together before my eyes as if defying me oh heaven give me strength to contain myself well what will you let us hear pauline's dream or hermione or the soliloquy of the deserted ariadne adrienne hardly able to contain herself this is too much why not phaedra which you played so well the evening before last phaedra let it be so recites o justice of high heaven what have i this day done my husband will be here and with him comes his son for whom my heart is burning with unholy fire he'll watch the face with which i dare to meet his sire he'll count the bitter tears that overflow mine eyes he'll seem to hear my soul's impassioned stifled cries will he betray my secret ah his silence will be vain 
I scorn to wear a mask. I know not how to feign, for I am not as those who know to hide disgrace. Behind their husband's honored name with brazen face, who think in all their hidden infamy no blame, unblushing wantons who know not what is shame. Admirable. Admirable. Bravo, Adrian. Child, what have you done? I have taken my revenge. Princess aside. Such an insult. She shall pay dearly for this. Adrienne to Prince. I am very fatigued. Ill, in fact. Perhaps who will allow me to retire? Maurice is about to go. He is stopped by Princess. Stay here. To Adrienne. Although we should be delighted to keep you here, we dare not insist. Mademoiselle Le Coeur's carriage? Adrienne to Maurice. Follow me. Maurice aside. Impossible. This evening you shall know why. Enough. Exit left. Act drop. End of Act Four. Act Five of Adrienne Le Couvreur by Gabriel Le Gouvet and Eugène Scribe, translated by H. Herman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene Adrienne's apartment, handsomely furnished. Sofa left. Doors in flat C and right upper e and left upper e fireplace with fire right enter michonet and suzanne left centre yes yes i know that she has shut her door and i know that she is tired to death with the excitement at prince de bouillance this evening but i am sure that she will see me tell her i am here ah michonet enter adrienne from right door Ah. I was expecting you, old friend. Michonet to servant. There, sir, I told you how it would be. Exit Suzanne, centre. I have been so ill, so very ill. I suffer so. I expected as much, and I knew that I could not sleep without asking you how you were. I went to the theatre after I brought you home. Indeed? Is the play over? No, it will last fully an hour yet. I'm glad of that, as I wish to give notice that I cannot possibly act tomorrow. I'll take care of that, and will bring you word when everything is settled. Ah, I am very uneasy about you, not on account of that indisposition only, that will soon pass away, but on account of something far more serious. I give you so much trouble. What do you mean? You said something serious. The scene of this evening. Do you suppose that, with the exception of the prince, anybody misunderstood the allusions to the princess? She understood them, I'll be sworn. I hope she did. I feel she did. I have stabbed her to the heart's core, have I not? I have been very ill, but the thought comes to me as a balm of consolation. With every word in those last two lines, I felt I struck home. Yes, Michonette. You notice the terror on every face. 
She bore herself bravely. Her features did not quiver. But I could see a deadly paleness overspread that immovable countenance, on which I have stamped an indelible brand. That is precisely what alarms me. The blow was too hard, too palpable. These great ladies, with their flowery wreaths and their gems and their suavity, vengeance is dear to them, and whatever their malice suggests, they perform, even to ridding themselves of a rival. I do not care. What can she inflict upon me to equal the torture of knowing that she is beloved by him? The wound I dealt her has ere this been healed with a fond look. Her tears, if she shed any, he will kiss away. And now, at this very moment, while my heart is breaking, she is happy, for she is near him. Michonette, as I left the room, I whispered to him to follow me, but she commanded him to remain. Well? He remained with her. Oh, it is too hard to bear. I will separate them, rush between them, and upbraid him. Nonsense. This is frenzy. Would it not be better to die in satisfying revenge than to expire here, torn by jealousy and despair? For die I shall. I feel it, Michonette. Sinks in armchair. Right. Michonette, left. No, no, you will not die. Disappointed love is a torment, an unspeakable torture, but it does not kill. The last years of my life can bear witness to that. Michonette. Yes. Yes, you did not believe that beneath so rugged an exterior there was a heart that could be racked like yours. But no matter, I am speaking of something that happened a long time ago. Time inures us to everything, even to being unhappy. I will follow your example, Michonette. I will imitate that fortitude which does you so much honour. And, in the end, I will... I am determined. Conquer this unfortunate passion. Michonet, joyfully. You will? Yes. You shall hear me mention Maurice's name without the slightest emotion. Enter Suzanne with a small casket. A casket for Mademoiselle. Who sent it? The servant who brought it said it comes from the Count de Saxe. From him! From him! Takes it and puts it on table and seats herself right of table. Exit Suzanne. What can it mean? My hand trembles. I dread to open it. And she fancies that she has ceased to love. Goes to back of table. Let me see. Let me see. Opens it. Ah. What is it? Look. Look, Michonette. It is my bouquet. I held it in my hand when he called upon me yesterday morning. After that long absence, he asked me for it. I gave it as a slight token of love. And now look, Michonette. He might have cast it aside, trampled it underfoot, but to send it back thus. Ah, it is too cruel. It is not his act. It is not. I am sure he has been compelled to do this by the order of your rival. Compelled? Oh, she commanded, did she? And was he forced to obey? Is he a slave that he was forced to insult one who once... 
once he loved poor flowers that have withered so soon you have still outlived his promises he covered you with kisses but there is no trace of them on your leaves now no trace of aught but neglect and insult the last kiss you receive shall be one of eternal farewell kisses them it seems like a kiss of death and thus ends all memory of him and of my love throws them into fire and falls michonet raising her Adrienne, Adrienne. do not be alarmed it is gone i am better now i am better now maurice outside where is adrian enter maurice center adrian my own adrian maurice rushes into his arms but suddenly draws back no no leave me i forget myself michonet seats himself on sofa leave you adrian leave you i come to implore your pardon when you whispered me to follow you i was restrained by duty by honour i supposed i had received an important benefit from the princess i felt that i could not suffer another day to pass without telling her that i could not accept her gifts that i did not love her that my heart belonged to you to you only sweet adrian judge of my astonishment during the interview that followed your performance after i had uttered the words i know all she turned pale and trembled and falling at my feet declared that love alone had prompted her that it was she who caused me to be arrested my sole object was to thank her for my deliverance and i learned from her own lips that she had been the cause of my imprisonment heavens i had found myself bound to every tie of gratitude to a woman i could not love and now now i am free free to fly to you my adrian my true my only love behold me falls on his knees you will not repel me now can i really believe you upon my honour i speak the truth i am surrounded by mystery for i am still ignorant who freed me from prison can you enlighten me no no michonet comes down centre then i can it is herself silence silence for you she pledged her fortune her diamonds all she possessed and more no no it is true she borrowed and believe me i speak the truth my desire is to see her happy for i love her as a father should love his child why those tears they are tears of joy but i must return to the theatre remember what i have spoken is true exit centre then adrian it was you yes i and my best friend he who just quitted us but no more of that you accept on one condition that you in turn accept my offer i know not whether i shall gain or lose the crown of courland but if i conquer you shall be my wife i your wife i yes yes my queen my bride but for you all my hopes would have been blighted but you grow pale it is nothing nothing so much happiness after such despair it has proved too much for me maurice assisting her to chair left of right table as she staggers but your strength seems to fail you a strange sensation has taken possession of me since i pressed 
that bouquet to my lips what bouquet the one i took for a symbol of parting which which was really the messenger of love what do you mean the flowers which you returned to me in this casket i sent you nothing where are these flowers burned i thought you had rejected both me and my trifling gift and that like myself it had to perish but adrian my beloved adrian you are really ill your hand trembles no not now i am well the pain is not here touch his heart but there is a strange sensation here touch his head very strange a thousand fantastic objects seem to pass before me without order or connection what did you say ah i have forgotten my imagination seems to be wandering i lose all power of control <laughs> i must not lose it no for maurice's sake and oh, the play will begin soon and they are anxious no doubt for they have been promised for such a long time the psyche of cornell for a very long time from the days when i first saw maurice there seems to be an objection to its production it is too old it is passé but i said no no i have a reason ah they little guess that reason maurice has never said to me i love you and i have never said so to him the words spring from my heart to my lips but i dare not utter them now in the play of psyche there are certain passages that i can address to him before everybody and no one will find me out it is a good thought is it not maurice right center my love my best love return to yourself adrienne center hush hush i must appear on the stage what a splendid audience how numerous how brilliant how my movements are watched by every glance they are kind very kind to love me thus but where is he oh yonder in his box yes yes there is maurice he smiles upon me my cue <laughs> his eyes with loving glow still fixed on mine those glorious orbs so filled with love divine so piercing yet so tender that my heart though tortured seems with half its grief to part nay do not turn them from me though i feel each glance gives wounds that naught but death can heal adrian adrian she does not see me she does not hear me heavens what can i do rings bell enter suzanne quick seek help for your mistress i dare not leave her exit suzanne center my presence perhaps will calm her adrian my own adrian 
hear me puts his arm round her adrienne center hush hush who is that someone enters his box and sits near him she hides her face but i know her no earthly obstacle could prevent me from knowing that face maurice is speaking to her he does not look at me any more no more <sighs> maurice center dearest maurice is near you <sighs> their eyes meet their hands are pressed together and she says something to him i know the words though i cannot hear them she bids him remain by her side and he repels me ah he does not know that i am dying falls in his arms Adrian, for pity's sake pity has my voice lost its influence what do you want listen to me for a single moment look at me right center maurice maurice no no maurice is near her he forgets me go go swear as you swore to me but fancy not your former vows are by the gods forgot abandon me the heart bestow upon another go thou false lover go ah. suddenly recognizes him ah maurice falls in his arms and slips to ground maurice puts her gently on chair center can no one aid her has she not a friend enter michonet yes thank heaven here is one at last michonet right sinking on his knees what is this tell me is adrienne in danger maurice left adrian is dying no no see she recovers oh agony who is near me how i suffer recovering ah maurice and you too michonette it is very very kind <sighs> my head is calm now but here in my bosom there is something like burning coal consuming me michonet to maurice poisoned no you cannot suspect with evidence like this points to her a rival for heaven's sake silence ah the pain increases you who love me so much help me i do not want to die an hour ago i should have prayed for death as a blessing but now i want to live oh heavenly powers hear me let me live some days some few short days near maurice i am so young and life begins to appear so beautiful life 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 rises then sinks into chair no no i shall not live every effort is in vain i feel life ebbing away do not quit me maurice i can see you now but i shall not be able to see you much longer hold my hand 
you will not much longer feel its pressure. There, there, you will remember me, will you not? Adieu, Maurice, adieu, Michonette, my two, my only friends. Dies. Curtain. End of Adrien Lecouvreur by Gabriel Legouvet and Eugène Scribe. Translated by H. Herman.